The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to get out of that rut and break through to a higher level of success. This is Infinite Success Radio with Rachel O'Brien Eddy. In this engaging hour, you'll hear from people just like you who wanted to achieve success and did. What was their secret? You'll need to listen to find out. Now, here's your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Welcome to Infinite Success Radio. I am your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Thank you so much for listening today and each and every week from all around the world. My goal with this show is to encourage, inspire, and empower you to achieve a higher level of success in your business and in your life. So I'm very excited that you guys are here with me today. Today's show is going to be incredible. I have an amazing guest who is going to be joining us and she's going to be giving us this peek inside of her life. She is a brilliant brilliant, award-winning author, and she's going to be sharing with us kind of what her life looks like as a writer, how she found success, some of the tips and strategies that she uses to to write novels and short stories. So she's going to be sharing so much great information with us today. So if, if you're someone who is an aspiring writer or you're already a writer and you're trying to break through to that higher level in your writing career, you definitely want to stick around through the entire show so that you don't miss a thing. You do not want to miss not one tip that she's going to share. You know, a lot of times I find that it's that one little strategy that we can apply to our own lives that really makes the biggest difference. And so it might just be one little thing that you could be doing differently that Laura might share with you today that you can then apply to get even better results. So definitely stick around throughout the entire show. And if you guys have questions, you can call in with those questions or you can post them on social media and we will try to get those questions answered today. If we don't get a chance to get to your question, I will make sure that um, I send Laura an email and I can get back to each of you. So you can find me over on social media at facebook.com forward slash connect with Rachel or on Twitter at factors for success. That's factors, the number four success. And like I said, just leave your, your questions right there as well, or you can call in and ask them live. Okay, so let's jump into today's episode. Today, my very, very special guest is Laura Vandenberg. She is the author of the novel Find Me, which was long listed for the 2016 International Dylan Thomas Prize and selected as the best book of 2015 by Time Out New York and NPR. That is pretty awesome, I have to admit. And she also is the author of two story collections, What the World Will Look Like When All the Water Leaves Us and the Isle of Youth. Both were finalists for the Frank O'Connor International Short Story Award as well. Now, her accolades go on and on. She is an incredible writer. I highly encourage you guys to connect with her. But without any further delay, let's bring her onto the show and let's just jump into today's topic, Inside a Writer's Life. Laura, are you with me? 
I am, yes. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. I'm very happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with all of us today. You know, I've got listeners that listen from lots of different countries around the world, and I have so many people that write into me really wanting to understand how to become a successful writer. You know, a lot of a lot of my fan base likes this concept of writing. They read a lot. They they love books, and and so. I'm super excited that you're going to share with us kind of that behind-the-scenes look at your career and how you have found success. So just thank you, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell me just a little bit about your background and how you got started on on this incredible journey that you've been on and, and how you've been so successful. Just kind of give us a little peek at what that's been like for you. Absolutely. Um, I think in many ways, my trajectory as a writer is somewhat unlikely in that um, I have many writer friends who read as children and found great solace in literature and wrote as children also. And I, I really, I was not that kind of child. Um, I was not a, a, a particularly avid reader. Um, I did not write as a child. I, I was a somewhat of a poor student, um, uh, which is, you know, kind of funny because I, I have been teaching undergraduates for the last decade, but I don't think, um, certainly no one saw a career for me in, in, in academia, that's, that's for sure. Um, but the thing that really pivoted for me is that when I was in college, I had planned to major in psychology, um, which I wasn't really particularly passionate about, but it just seemed like something that you might consider if you were interested in people in a basic way, and I have always been interested in people. Um, and I took a creative writing workshop as an elective, and for the first time, I really read contemporary literature, and in particular, the contemporary short story, and it was a totally revelatory experience for me. Um, it was the first time that literature had felt personal, um, and, and I was seeing sort of worlds and situations and characters that I could recognize and that I could see myself in to a certain degree. Um, and so that was what really, um, and, you know, I, I had a professor that was very encouraging, um, wonderful writer named Ashley Bieber, and that was really what got me started on this path. Wow. So it really was very different than a lot of writers that you hear about. It really was a little Absolutely. bit later yeah. in life I, for I you. Think I, I'm, I'm in the minority because most of my, you know, I of course know a lot of writers and, and, and almost all of them, even if they weren't writing as children, they were reading as children and, and they you know, and that was sort of their first connection to, to literature. Um, and certainly that was true for me. I mean, I, I think what I'm describing is the act of falling in love with another writer's work and that um, is what led me to writing. So I did have that, that same writing to reading trajectory, but, or I'm sorry, reading to writing trajectory, but it just, it came later for me than it does for um, a lot of people. Do you think that that helped you as you started writing yourself and you, you began that process? Do you think it helped you having kind of that new aha moment later in life? Do you think maybe that set you apart somehow? You know, that's interesting. Um, I mean, I think that they're, I think that they're, you know, everyone sort of moves at their own pace, right? And we, and we, right, yeah. you know, we get, we get there as we get there. Um, certainly when I 
arrived at graduate school and, and met, you know, most of my peers had been, you know, lifelong serious readers. And I realized that I had, I did a master's of fine arts and MFA in fiction. Um, and I realized that I had a lot of catching up to do, that I was really actually very underread compared to many of my peers. Um, and so at first that was a little intimidating, but it was also great fuel too. And I, and I really made it um, you know, my project to read as much as humanly possible, um, to learn the canon as much as humanly possible while I was a student. And of course, um, you know, my reading practice is, is enormously important to my writing practice um, today. So, uh, you know, that was maybe one sort of challenge that was posed. But I think I, I also, um, and certainly it, it's not that this wouldn't be true if you were an avid reader for, for as a child, but, but I think, you know, I was out in the world a lot. Both my parents traveled a lot for work. I traveled with them. I grew up in Florida. I was, at, you know, outside in, in, in nature, um, you know, tromping around with my dog. So, I mean, I, I do think that there's, um, there's maybe something about having a childhood where I, I wasn't, I, I didn't spend a lot of time sort of in, in rooms, in classrooms, um, you know, studying and reading and, and sort of being in that interior space. I was really kind of out in the physical world a lot. And I, and I certainly, I wouldn't presume to say that that's better or, or worse than any other way of moving through the world uh, in one's youth, but just simply I do think that it left its mark on me in a, in a certain way. Oh, I think that's that's really interesting. I think you're right, too. A lot of times we draw from so many different experiences that we've had. I know with myself, with a lot of the work that I do, I'm constantly drawing from experiences and encounters I've had. And do you feel like that helped you when you were writing either your short stories or your novel, Find Me? Did you kind of pull from some of those different experiences that you had, even though even though it's fiction? Did you pull from some of those? Absolutely. And fiction is, you know, I mean, it is still, um, even though I tend to write fiction where if you, if you read it, you would think, oh, this is, this is, you know, the author is clearly writing outside of her own, um, of her own experiences. So for example, you know, my novel, um, Find Me, uh, it takes place in a near future America where there's an epidemic that is destroying memory. Clearly, that's not something that I've experienced firsthand. But um, sure. but Boston and Florida are both really integral parts of the book in respect of faith. And I grew up in Florida, and I went to graduate school in Boston and recently moved back to the Boston area. And so when I was writing those pieces, I was absolutely drawing from... Um, real-world encounters, real-world details, you know, something I remember um, seeing, like, in a field as a kid in Florida, something I remember seeing through the window of the subway in Boston, you know, one winter. And so, you know, there's that that, that whole kind of repository of experience that we accumulate, and then things kind of have a way of you know, bubbling back up to the surface when they're, when they're needed. So even though, um, you know, I, my second collection, The Isle of Youth, there's a story in there that's set in Antarctica, and I have not, I would love to go to Antarctica one day, but I, I have not yet, right. I have not yet been. Um, and, but there's a lot in that story that is um, absolutely from life. And so I think the, the from life fits the tactile details, the real things that I have encountered um, helps give me a, a kind of anchor when I'm moving through a world otherwise a wholly fictional creation. That's great. 
that's and is that a tip that you share with with writers as well as to kind of find those little anchors as you as you said? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the term that I use with my students is I call it granular detail, but it's often those small concrete details that are just so specific to a place that really um, bring it into focus for us. And I talk about this too a lot in the context of research. Um, I think you know if you're if you're researching um, an an era or a place that you don't have first-hand knowledge of, I mean, you are looking for the kind of grounding facts that you need to know, but I think you're also looking for those rare, unexpected details that just allow you to see this place, to imagine this place in, in a sort of more comprehensive way or in a slight, or allows you to see the place in a slightly different, different way. And let's talk a little bit about your actual process when you started writing and, and, how how do you get yourself in that zone, uh, whether you're writing a short story or a novel? Is there a different way that you go about kind of just getting going and then keeping yourself moving forward with that particular story? Do you have a process or something that you recommend to your students? Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I'd be happy to talk about this more, um, but I do think for me there are process differences between writing short stories and writing novels. Um, okay. I'll start with talking about novels just because finally is my most recent book and I'm, I'm working on a, no- a new novel now. So that's, that's where my head's at. Um, oh, good. That's, that's yeah. exciting. We want some details. It's, um, <laughs> it's, yes, it, it is. I think with novels, you know, it's, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Um, and that's, that's a, you know, a very important thing to keep in mind when uh, you're, you're working on a novel. And when I was first, you know, writing the first chapter, find me. I approached it in the same way that I would approach a short story, which is I would just work in sort of small pockets of time whenever I had a minute. Um, and as a result, you know, like us busy, we're, we're all familiar with this, this kind of real-world constraints that, that keep us from spending time on the things that we would most like to spend time on. Um, and so it, it might maybe a week would pass before I had a little patch of time to work on the book. And I found, for me, that approach to writing a novel really was not successful. Um, okay. I needed, it, it's a much bigger world, it's a much bigger canvas, I needed a lot more um, mental space. And so I, I started going to artist residencies in the summer where I could work on the book in sort of this sheltered, focused environment for, you know, a month at a time. Um, but I, I teach for a living, and I can't leave for a month in the middle of the semester. So the question became, how do I develop a practice that allows me to move forward with this, um, with this project in a way that feels satisfying? Um, and the thing that I came to that was very important for me is, is to... And, and I use the word practice very intentionally because I, I do think, you know, they're, they're writing a novel, I mean, you, it is a practice. Um, and what I mean by that is that I, I made it sort of my mission to have some contact with the project every single day. And there might be days where I had a big chunk of time in the morning and I was actually writing for several hours. For some days that meant... I opened the Word document and refined a paragraph. For some days, that meant I read pages aloud. For some days, that meant I read um, 
you know, novels or research materials that were connected to the project in some way. But I found that that daily contact and sort of staying in that practice allowed me to, it made two things possible. It allowed the world of the book to stay alive in my mind as opposed to getting drowned out by just the daily um, sort of mess of living. Um, and it also allowed me to kind of, it carried, staying in that practice carried me through um, the periods of writing that were really difficult um, and difficult for all kinds of reasons. Um, difficult in the sense that I didn't know what to do next and I felt sort of lost and adrift. Difficult in the sense that maybe um, I was getting restless or, or it was starting to feel tedious. Um, but just staying in that, you know, staying in that daily practice, not expecting every day to be, um, you know, mind-blowing. Um, and But just thinking of it as a sort of daily habit, which is very, very helpful um, North Star that kind of brought me through the writing of my first uh, novel. Oh, I think that's great. I, I love that, breaking it down into that daily habit um, and really doing something with the project. I like how you said that it was really keeping you connected to to the story as you continued with your everyday life and your and your career teaching and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's a really great perspective. In just a minute, we're going to have to take a break. But before we do, just quickly, will you touch on short stories briefly? Um, and then we can talk about it when we get back from the break as well. But how do you begin with a short story? Because obviously, it doesn't take as long to create that. So what's just that beginning process? Yeah, well, with a short story, and, and I mean, really beginning of the books are, are sort of the same for me, actually. I think it's the what comes after where things get more um, distinct and different. But I, I think, you know, it, it's the, the origins of a story are, are very mysterious. Um, I mean, sometimes things are prompted by a real-world encounter that startles or unnerves or surprises me in some ways. Um Sometimes it's, it's something from the past that I keep thinking about. But oftentimes, um, you know, a line just slips through my head, and I really have no clear idea where it came from. Um, and, you know, one of the inherent kind of difficulties about discussing an artistic process in a concrete way is that there is an element of mystery to it, and the unconscious is a very powerful force. Um, so, you know, I was washing dishes or folding laundry, doing something very mundane when a line for a story, um, the day my husband left me, I followed a trio of acrobats around the city of Paris. Um, that's, that's how, um, a story in my second collection begins. And I have no idea where that came from. I mean, I've been to Paris. I like Paris. Who doesn't like Paris? Right. I've, right. You know, I'm, I'm, my husband's never left me. I have no particular knowledge of acrobats, but just, you know, but just there it was, um, and indeed, it did, it did lead to a story. And so, you know, who knows? Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's part, of, that's part of what keeps the process sort of thrilling and interesting is that there, there's always that, um, you know, element of mystery and surprise and unpredictability. That is awesome. I love it. I absolutely love that. Okay, we've got to stop right there and take a short break. Uh, when we come back, more with Laura Vandenberg. She's going to talk a little bit more about the process in writing short stories. I really love this concept of getting these little ideas, this little one line that might pop in your head and really running with that. So we'll talk more about that. Um, also, we have some questions from listeners, so we will discuss those as well. So stick around. I'm Rachel O'Brien Eddy, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about 
about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Transform your life, boost your confidence, and create lasting wealth. Visit ConnectWithRachel.com forward slash success to discover how best-selling author and success coach Rachel O'Brien Eddy went from miserable, broke, and ridiculously overweight to traveling the world, dropping 90 pounds, and living the life of her dreams. Ready to jumpstart your journey to success? Go to ConnectWithRachel.com forward slash success. That's connectwithrachel.com forward slash success. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Infinite Success Radio with your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Call in and let us know if you have a question or comment. Our number is toll-free in North America, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radio at connectwithrachel.com. Now, back to Infinite Success Radio. Here again is Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Welcome back to Infinite Success Radio. I am your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Today, we are taking a look inside a writer's life with my very special guest, Laura Vandenberg. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us today. You know, before the last break, we were talking just a little bit about short stories and um, kind of her process for getting started with that. So let's jump back into that topic of, of short stories, Laura. I know we left off with your your concept of kind of having an idea pop in your mind and, and seeing where that takes you. If, if someone is listening today and, and maybe they've been working on a short story and maybe they've just been getting stuck, I'm sure that's probably happened to you before as well. What, what process do you use to get unstuck in regards to a short story if it's different than a novel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the one thing that I find really liberating about working on um, a short story is that you don't have the burden of sustainability. Um, I mean, if it's a longer story, then, you know, you, you do a little bit. But what I mean by that is, is there are many sort of stories, premises and ideas that can lead to a riveting um, 15 pages or 20 pages, but but really wouldn't be sustainable um, it, as a novel, uh, sure. for example. And I think for me, because, you know, I can write a draft of a story in maybe a month, and it takes me, you know, at least a year to write a draft of a novel, um, I'm much quicker to um, just throw pages away um, if it's, you know, so not to get not to get so hung up on, like, oh, the story must start here. I, I'm, I'm much more comfortable sort of slashing and burning with short fiction. Um, but, you know, and, and I think that same process is all, almost always necessary in the novel writing process, too, but it's just, it's natural to get more attached to the shape that you've made in that first draft if you spent a year making it. Um, so I, I love, can I read a quote from Margaret yes. Atwood? Oh, can please, I please can do. I on, can I lean on Margaret Atwood? Um, she has this great quote that I give to my students a lot, um, and it, it, it starts here. Don't sit down in the middle of the woods. If you're lost in the plot or blocked, retrace your steps to where you went wrong. Then take the other road and or change the person, change the tense, change the opening page. 
end quote. Um, and I love that, that sentiment from Atwood. And I think when we, when we feel creatively stuck, it's very easy to come stuck in a more literal sense. And I think what, you know, sort of what Atwood is suggesting there is that you just have to keep moving and just keep changing the terms. Start in a different place. Change the setting. Change the tense. Change the point of view. I think of it um, as a as a Rubik's cube, you know, and you're just you're you're just moving around um, the the those colors until they all there that moment comes where they all line up. Um, so I think I think kind of again this goes back to staying in the practice and just keep keeping um, you know move just keep moving. Um, and, and eventually you will come upon something. And do you do that with your novel writing as well? If you find those places where you get stuck, do you, do you challenge yourself to take, take the story from a different viewpoint? Or is, is that kind of the same process? Or, or is that mostly just for the short stories? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, I think, again, the novel is, um, you know, the, the terms are different, right? Because it's a more complicated shape in the sense that there's more of it. Um, so, you know, if I, if I know that I'm writing, um, so for example, um, both, uh, Find Me and, um, and the book I'm working on now are both from single points of view. Um, so my inclination, I, and I, and I, you know, I'm deep enough into this project where I, I feel, you know, pretty certain that this is the point of view of, of the book. Um, right. So it, I would be less inclined to be like, I'm just going to completely rewrite this through another character's point of view because it would change the terms of the project so radically. Um, But certainly, I'm always cutting, reimagining in a million different kinds of ways. Um, And, you know, I think one of my favorite games to play with myself, and it sounds really, it sounds like kind of silly, and my students are always a bit skeptical when they hear me talk about this, kind of like, is that, like, is this really the best advice you have to offer us? But it works. It really works. Um, I like, particularly if I'm stuck on a scene where I have a scene, but it feels kind of flat and a bit like a placeholder, and it doesn't really have the energy and the heft that I, I'm looking for. Um, I see this game called the What If Game, where I just list possibilities. And... You know, and I just will just keep going. I mean, I think the secret to this is actually doing a lot of them. So I might do as many as 50 or 60. You could write them down. You can say them aloud, whatever feels the most natural. Uh, and the idea here is to let, let yourself, um, you know, sort of list whatever comes into your mind, even if it is totally preposterous. And I think one thing that I found really useful about this is that it pushes me past the kind of limits that I had set for myself without realizing that I had set them and, and gets me into, into truly sort of new and fresh materials. So that's something that I would recommend um, if, you, if, you know, if you reach, maybe you're writing a draft of the story and you get stuck in the middle or maybe you're working you know, on a longer project but there's some aspect of it that, that you don't feel good about, you know, just try that and see what comes up. That's great. That's a really great tip that that really anybody can apply and and just give it a shot. And like you said, you're you're writing fifty to sixty um, of these what ifs. That is that's a lot. That's actually quite a. It's few. a lot. So, yeah, no, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, but if you think about it, um, you know, and I find what happens to me is that I start. Um, 
it's, it's a bit like a, like one of those like tetherballs, you know, where when I'm first yep. batting it around, it's I'm staying pretty close to what I had, pretty close to the sort of maybe the mundaneness that I'm trying to get away from. And then I'll fly out way too far away from the pole and I'm just in the realm of the absurd. And then I come back a little bit closer and then that's where I tend to tend to find you know, this, this, this sort of train that I, I'm looking for. But I think, yeah, I mean, giving, your space, giving yourself space to really go way out um, from where you thought you would be, I think it's, it's actually sort of the point of it. And for me, it's, it's like, it's just quite a thing for me to get there. That's great. I love that. That's a really, really great tip. Okay, so I've got a, a question from a listener here that I want to throw out sure. at you. Tim has written in and asked, how do you stay motivated to keep writing? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, you know, that's a great um, question, I think. And I think for even, you know, people who, have, um, who are, are practicing writers and professional writers and who've been writing for a long time, I mean, there are, you know, we all have moments where, we lose heart um, or we get frustrated or we feel dejected. And I think that, um, you know, I think two things. I think just to go back to the idea of practice, if, if, you, if you are just like, I am staying in this practice and, I'm, and part of staying in this practice means that there are going to be days where I'm unmotivated and it just feels really hard and tedious. Um, you know, with Shimon Capote, who's not a fan of Jack Kerouac, said about um, on the road, he said, that's not writing, that's just typing. Um, and I absolutely have days where I feel like I'm not writing. I feel like I'm just typing. Um, but for me, I sort of have to, I have to kind of trudge through those low points in order to get to the places of real um, sort of vision and inspiration, and I, if I could, if I could find like a shortcut through the woods, I would take it, and I would happily share it with anyone who asks. <laughs> but, but the, you know, but of course, there isn't one, right? So I think just moving through those days that you're feeling unmotivated is just it's, it's part of of being being in that practice. Um, the other thing too, when I'm feeling sort of uninspired, um, I, I think often. I, it turns out that I'm reading work that isn't inspiring to me. So that might be ah, a time where okay. I go back to um, a book that I really love um, or I go to the bookstore and buy a couple of new books that seem really interesting. And so I think, the, as I sort of touched on before, I mean, I think reading and writing, writing practices are really um, related. And when I'm not cheating my reading practice, it's, I, I feel it in my writing, like absolutely. Um, and so that's something that I would recommend, um, you know, to, to this um, listener to think about, like, look, look at your reading practice. Are you reading, are you cultivating a reading practice? Are you reading work that, that really sort of energizes and surprises you? And if, if you're not, um, you know, give it a go and see, and see, see what happens. Absolutely. And speaking of favorite books, so what are these favorite books that you go to that kind of re-inspire you? Do you have like two or three that are absolute favorites or is there a, a long list that you select from? Um, oh my goodness. It changes all the time. It changes all the time. Um, I really, I, Joy Williams is one of my favorite living writers. And so her stories and also her novels, that's um, particularly her novel, The Quick and the Dead, 
that is, um, you know, a book that I return to. I return to often. Um, Alice Munro certainly um, is a favorite. Uh, Edward P. Jones is another favorite. Um, both his novels, The Known World, and his and his short fiction. Um, Oh my gosh! And there and I always there's just like so many, you know, that your mind your mind goes a bit right. empty. Those are those are those are three that I can always count on um, to energize and inspire for sure. Awesome! I love it. So when you were writing Find Me, uh, that was your first novel, right? You had done the short yes. stories before, but that was your first novel. I know it took you quite a while. I, I believe I read yes. it was six years. Is that correct? Yeah. So six yes. years. Wow. That, I mean, that, that, is, that is a huge undertaking. Let's talk a little bit about the book and what got you the most excited through those, those six years. How did you kind of maintain your enthusiasm? And, and I also want you to be able to share with all of us today how we can get a copy of your book. So let's talk through that. Yes. Absolutely. So um, I'll say, so I don't forget it at the, at the end, um, the, the easy part first where Find Me is, um, came out in paperback earlier this year. So um, there's a nice sort of pocket-sized paperback uh, available, very portable. Um, and you can find it at any um, online, real, um, online retailer. Um, you, would, um, you would also really find it, um, I wouldn't say any place that books are, are sold, but most places um, where books are sold. So if you have um, your friendly independent neighborhood bookstore um, and writers, we all owe great debt to independent bookstores, so yes, absolutely patronize them if you have one. Um, but if you go to your, um, you know, your your neighborhood bookstore, um, it should be there. If it's not there, they can certainly, you know, they can certainly get it for you. But it is yes, available um, in in virt- most places where books are sold, either uh, brick and mortar or or online. Okay, perfect. Um, so that is, that's the easy part of, of your question. I mean, the, you know, and there's sort of not really a clean answer to the second part. Um, right. I think, yeah. Right. It's kind it's of like, the, much, it's that muddy gray water, yeah. but it's, it's a fun insight into, into your life. And you've been so successful with your writing. I, I think it's always fun to, to really get that insight and kind of, find out what kept you going. I mean, six yeah, years for a project absolutely. is a long time. It's, uh, it's, right. it's incredible. And you found success. So it's not just something that you, you know, put blood, sweat and tears into and then weren't successful. You found success as well. So yeah, I would just love kind of that little, that little peek at, at what that was like for you. Yeah. Well, I did take, I, I think it is important to say it's finally, it wasn't six years straight through. And, and what I mean by that is I did take some pretty significant breaks. Um, and I also wrote my second story collection during those breaks. I mean, over a succession of three or four years, of course, not, not, not during just one break. Um, so, so I really, uh, it was six years, but I, I really ultimately, I, I, I didn't necessarily think of it this way when I was in the midst of it, but I was actually really writing two books simultaneously and I just didn't quite realize it. Um, gotcha. so the, so there's 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 that piece of it, but the thing that um, and I absolutely I mean there's I've never worked on anything in my life where I didn't wake up at some point in the process and think at two in the morning I can't I don't know how to finish this um, 
I don't know how to, I, I don't think I can finish it. I don't think I'm capable in one way or another. And I had many such moments um, with Find Me. It was my first novel, for starters. I'd also never written a speculative world before. Um, there's some kind of quasi-magical things that happen in my stories, but this was, you know, was, was, was a very different kind of world for me to be tackling. And the thing that really kept me going was the very deep connection that I had to the narrator, um, the books narrated by a young woman named Joy, and I just could not shake her voice. Um, and so it was right when I was saying, maybe I should just drop this project, maybe I should just direct my attention elsewhere, um, Joy would kind of sit on my shoulder, so to speak, and, and not let me go so easily. Um, and so that was, that, I think my commitment to her as a character is what really, you know, kept me energized and kept me motivated. Um, but I think it's also important to just, just be honest and say that there were periods where um, I felt really... I felt really lost, um, and I just had to kind of sit there and stay in it and trust that there would be something on the other side. Absolutely. That that totally makes sense. Now, I know that a lot of people deal with a lot of rejection when they're sending out their manuscripts, and I just want you to quickly touch on, on kind of overcoming that rejection and I, I think most writers know that it's going to happen. It's, it is part of life. <laughs> um, but, but oh my what gosh, do you yes. do? What do you I'm, suggest yes. for people in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, yes. I mean, there, there is, there's a lot of rejection. And you just, I, I think that that actually is something that really separates people who, who, keep, who are practicing writers and people who might be, you know, at, at as talented or more talented than the person who ends up publishing, but they just don't have the capacity to keep, um, you know, to, to keep sustaining the, the, the sort of unending, um, you know, rejection. And I think I also, I feel totally comfortable saying I still get rejected for stuff all the time. It's just different kinds of things. And so I thought, you know, when I was a younger writer, oh, when you get to this, this certain point, you just won't get rejected from stuff anymore. And that's actually not at all true. There's just this, it's like the, the more successful you are, this new tier of things that you can be rejected for sort of opens up. Um, so it really is, it really is an ending in that sense. Um, but, you know, I think, um, I think for me, there have been some rejections that, you know, that were really wounding for one reason or another, and you just had to kind of give yourself space to feel that and then just move on. Um, but one thing that was really helpful for me is that I, I worked for a literary magazine for about a year and a half when I was in graduate school and for a little while um, after I finished my MFA. And that experience taught me that rejection is not personal. Um, we received thousands of submissions, um, you know, per, I mean, tens of thousands of submissions per reading period, all competing for very few spaces in, um, in, you know, in one of our issues. And, and that's, that's the norm for, for, for a well-regarded, um, literary magazine. And, and I, and I learned that too, that just, 
the other people on staff and the people who are making decisions were really passionate readers. Um, and many of them writers too, who felt like deeply the, the kind of woes and, and, and pangs of, of being rejected, um, but who are really passionate readers who just, who are looking for more than anything when they opened up, you know, submission, they were looking for a story that just wowed them. And, I think that that really helps kind of reconfigure how I saw um, the, you know, the submission process at the level of publishing individual short stories. Because I had imagined these sort of adversarial gatekeepers and rejection felt very personal, like it wasn't just the story they were rejecting, but rejecting me in some way. And that's all human nature, right? Um, sure, really, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's natural to take something personally that we shouldn't, but it, it's really um, not accurate. Uh, and and so that helped me, definitely helped me um, kind of think of rejection differently. That is a great strategy. I think kind of uh, just taking a different perspective on the rejection. And I think it's wonderful that you had that insight to be able to real, realize and see, you know, it's not personal. It, it really is just part of the process. So that that is awesome. All right, we have to actually stop right there and take another short break. When we come back, we will be wrapping up with Laura. She's got a couple more things to share with us, and then she has to scoot on with her day because she's got a, a very busy schedule. I am sure of that. But all of you, please do stick around. We've got a little bit more with Laura and then some more tips and strategies at the end of the show as well. So stick around. I'm Rachel O'Brien Eddy, and we will be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Transform your life, boost your confidence, and create lasting wealth. Visit connectwithrachel.com forward slash success to discover how best-selling author and success coach Rachel O'Brien Eddy went from miserable, broke, and ridiculously overweight to traveling the world, dropping 90 pounds, and living the life of her dreams. Ready to jumpstart your journey to success? Go to connectwithrachel.com forward slash success. That's connectwithrachel.com forward slash success. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Infinite Success Radio with your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Call in and let us know if you have a question or comment. Our number is toll-free in North America, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to radio at connectwithrachel.com. Now, back to Infinite Success Radio. Here again is Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Welcome back to Infinite Success Radio. I am your host, Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Today, we have a very special guest, Laura Vandenberg, who has been sharing a little bit inside of what it looks like behind the scenes for a writer, a very successful writer, in fact. So, Laura, thank you again for joining me today and for sharing all of this great information with listeners around the world. I really do appreciate your time. And I know that we have people that have questions and, and maybe they haven't reached out yet, but, but they would like to. So I would like for you to share with everybody how we can contact you. If there's somebody that has a question today, of course, they can always reach out to me through the show. But if they want to reach out to you and, and, and ask a question, um, how can they do that? How can they connect with you? 
Absolutely. So my website is um, lauravandenberg.com. It's just my name, all smushed together, .com. And if you go um, to my website, my contact information is available there. Awesome. That is great. And then I was also really hoping you could share with us uh, before you have to go. I know you've got some things uh, going on this morning, but what resources would you recommend for current writers, aspiring writers, somebody who's really wanted to, to really write as a professional and achieve success as a writer? What are your top three or, or four resources that you would recommend for them? Yeah, um, so that is, um, that's a great question. I would, and your options will vary wildly depending on where you live. So if you live in, um, in a, a city, um, you, you're likely to have many such resources. If you live, you know, in a rural area, maybe not so, maybe not so much, but it depends on, on where exactly you are. Um, but if it's possible where you live, um, look into what literary organizations that you have um, at, 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 you know, at your disposal. Um, so, for example, in the Boston area, we have a great literary um, organization called Grub Street that offers um, a host of different kinds of classes and workshops and seminars. Um, you know, we, and we have a number of other organizations as well. Um, so, so see what's available in your community. See where maybe you can connect with other writers, where you can take a craft class, where you can take a workshop, where you can have an opportunity for sort of focused um, study. Also, if you live in a place that does have um, a good, uh, you know, in, good independent bookstore that does author events, um, or if you're near a university that has a visiting writer series, as, as many, many universities do, um, check it out. You know, go, go to some events. Ask, ask the writers questions. Um, I, I do think, you know, writing is ultimately a solitary job. It's just us and the work. Um, and that's sort of it at the end of the day. But it also, in terms of our sort of our writerly growth in a more holistic sense, you know, I do think it's, impo- it's important to, um, to, if we want literary culture to engage our work and to support us, we need to engage that culture and to support um, the literary institutions that exist in our, um, in our community. Um, and if you don't, live in a place where, where any of these things are available, the great news is, is that there's, there's a vast amount online. Um, I teach in the Low Residency MFA program for writers at Warren Wilson College. The podcast um, of lectures and meetings that are delivered at the residency are extraordinary, and they are available online. Um, conferences like Fredloaf um, has lectures available online. Um, you know, of course, there, there are a million places that run author interviews, um, et, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, so, so lean on those, lean on those resources because they are available to, you know, to anyone with, um, anyone with an internet connection. And the final thing I would say, and this is a little bit less concrete, but, um, I think the world will never make it easy for us to write, right? Like sure. if we're waiting for the day where the world sort of says, you know, Laura, I have I've cleared your morning. You will have no <laughs> unexpected phone calls. The dog will not bark. Um, right. 
you know, the, the laundry will not need to be done, then um, I, I would never write another word. Um, and so I, I meet so many people who, who say things like, oh, I know I have a novel in me, or I know I have a memoir in me, but I just can't find the time to write. And, and it is hard to find the time to write, but, we, but if it's something you really want, um, you have to just make it happen. Um, whether that means like getting up early or, or um, you know, working um, during your commute, unless you're driving, then you like absolutely should not do that. Um, <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but you, you know, can listen to a podcast. Sort <laughs> of like, <laughs> yes, for those, it's great. That can be a great time to work unless you, you have a, a driving commute, in which case you should be absolutely focused on the road. Um, but it's just, but, you know, it's, it's up to us to, in, in whatever what humble way we can, um, as our life circumstances allow, you know, we have to, we have to make space for it if it's something that really matters to us. Absolutely. Now, I know that you have to run in just a minute here, but can you tell us a little bit about the new project that you're working on? Are there little, little hints or clues that you can give us? Oh, yes. Um, well, I, I'm a little superstitious about talking about uh, new work when it's still in um, process, but... Okay, I, then don't tell I, us. <laughs> I can say that it, it's a novel and it's about marriage and horror films. Ooh, sounds intriguing. Okay, well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for all of your time today. And definitely when the new book comes out, let me know and we will have you back on the show to talk about the book. And I just thank you again for sharing everything with us today. One more time, everybody, please connect with Laura. Share with us again, Laura, how they can find your book and how they can connect with you. Yes. So um, the paperback of Find Me uh, is available wherever books are sold, both brick and mortar and online. And you can find me um, at my website, uh, lauravandenberg.com. Perfect. Thanks again, Laura. And we will talk to you again when your new book comes out. So keep me posted on that. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, everybody. I want to jump into a couple more questions that we had from listeners. We unfortunately didn't have time to um, to ask those of Laura, but I can address a couple of these actually as well. So Claudia wrote in and she is having a hard time staying focused when she writes. So her question was, how do you stay focused? And, you know, I actually get this question a lot as a as a coach and mentor to, to entrepreneurs and professionals. Um, um, I get this question quite frequently, so I, I want to just take a few minutes and kind of address this question and give you guys some tips and strategies. So if any of you are, are working on projects today, even if you're working on a book or, or this is something you can even apply to other areas of your life where you might be having a hard time staying focused. One of the things that I have found that has helped me the most is really looking at projects and breaking them down into bite-sized pieces. So a lot of times when people are lacking that focus, it's because something that they're working on is so big. You know, it's, it's a really big goal or it's a really big project or like Laura was sharing, she was working on her novel and it, and it took six years. Now, of course, she was mentioning that it was you know, a little bit here and a little bit there. But um, 
that's a long time, right, to, to maintain your focus. So a lot of times when we're working on those big projects, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to, um, to kind of just get bogged down with everyday life. And so by taking that project and breaking it down into bite-sized pieces, like I like to call it, um, it'll help you stay focused. So whether it's writing, you know, a chapter a day or, or one page a day. If you're a writer and you're working on, on a book or a short story, as Laura was mentioning, um, if you're an entrepreneur and you're working on building your business, you know, it could be a business goal that you, that you break down into a smaller piece, a, a daily action that you can take consistently. So breaking it down definitely will help you stay focused. I think also managing your own expectations. And Laura was talking about this a little bit bit as far as with rejection in those terms, knowing that some of this stuff just happens. So it's totally normal for you to lose that focus, you know, so you don't have to feel bad about it when it does happen. Just know that it's normal. Um, and managing those expectations as far as rejection or things maybe not working out the way you expected or thought that they would. Um, maybe you face some challenges as you're working on a big project and, and, when you face those challenges, it's very easy to get off track and to lose your focus. But I think if you start to manage those expectations in the beginning, from from the very, very beginning of your project, it'll help you really stay the course as you continue to move forward. So that's a couple tips um, that I think have definitely helped me and has have helped my clients as well. The other thing that I would share with you is the importance of having a plan. Now, Sometimes <laughs> a, a plan can can almost be a detriment, and what I mean by that is, if you force yourself to always stay on that plan, um, it can it can sometimes cause a bit of a setback. So give yourself some flexibility with your plan, but having a plan in place, telling yourself, you know, each week I'm going to focus on this, you know, this month I'm going to focus on this portion of my project. Having that kind of a, a setup as as a plan per se is super super important in maintaining your focus and giving yourself the flexibility that you know if if you veer off course slightly that that's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. You know sometimes you you want to stick with your plan and that, and that's admirable. But I think it's important that we are flexible with ourselves and with our lives because things do change as we continue on. Stuff does happen. So bite sized pieces making a plan, managing your expectations are all really great ways to stay focused as you're working on bigger projects. Now, another question that we had that I wanted to address quickly is, how do you overcome self-doubt? And one of the things that Laura mentioned was, when she was doubting herself, as far as her her novel uh, Find Me goes, she was imagining that character. You know, that character kind of was sitting on her shoulder, like she said, and she would think about that character, and that character helped push her forward. That character, in some ways, helped her maybe overcome a little of that self-doubt because she was thinking about the character rather than herself. A lot of times when we have self-doubt, we're so focused on on ourselves and on the, the maybe the fears that we have or the the areas that we think that, oh, I'm not good at this or, or what if somebody doesn't like this that I'm writing or what if I do get that rejection slip? What happens? You know, and a lot of times we spend we spend a lot of our energy focusing on those what ifs and focusing on on ourselves. But by changing your focus, and in Laura's case, focusing on the character, um, 
all of a sudden, some of that self-doubt starts to go away. I would also recommend that you really start working on your mindset. If you're someone who is encountering a lot of self-doubt, really look at the things that you say to yourself and what you're thinking on a daily basis. Because if you're if you're being very negative or very critical of yourself, that's going to make you doubt yourself and your project even more. So definitely working on your mindset, telling yourself positive things, um, managing those expectations, like I mentioned about staying focused, all of that will contribute to your level of success and to the confidence that you will gain as you continue moving forward with your project. And obviously, the more that you write, the more confident you're going to feel about your writing. The more that you get feedback from others and and you really can can work with other people on your writing, the better you're going to feel about it as well. All right, we are out of time for today's show, but thank you so much for listening. Thank you for spending your time with me each and every week. I really do appreciate you guys. You know, this show is for you. So if you ever have questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me through email at radio at connectwithrachel.com or on social media at Factors for Success and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash connectwithrachel. You guys have an amazing day. Please remember to believe in the power of a dream and we will see you again next week. Same time, same place. Thanks for tuning in. You can hear Infinite Success Radio live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Rachel O'Brien Eddy invites you to check out another show next week. 